Hi guys, how have you been? Wish you all a very very good morning. And uh, this is Vidisha Vitlani here. I'm an IELTS trainer, and I've been training students since a lot of time now, I think. And uh, it's freezing. Nice winter morning is here, and we are for one of the components that we all face a lot of difficulties in. And one such component, as we know, is a reading component where all of us use, uh, you know, tend to lose marks. Right? Okay. Now, uh, this component is today's session is specifically directed towards a type of a question, towards a particular question type. And this question type is match the headings. We all have this dilemma. I mean, we're all phobic towards this particular type of heading. And I'm not really sure why. Because honestly saying it's not as difficult as we assume it to be. It's not as bad. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, I'll be just starting it. I'll take. I'll tell you how I'm going to take you through this webinar. By the way, for those who are uh, who have attended the webinar first time, welcome. For those who have seen me before, who know me, uh, hi. It's good to see you back, and I'm glad you benefited from the last ones. Right. Uh, by the way, what we're going to do is I'm going to share a PPT in a few minutes. I'll take you through a presentation. Please pay very close attention to that presentation. Take. Um, very good notes. I would advise you to keep a pen and paper in hand because we'll be solving practically. Uh, so, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through the theory first. I'm going to tell you how to solve. I'm going to teach you the tricks and techniques. But what we're going to do most of the times is we're going to solve practically the questions. We're going to do it uh, together because ultimately, if I just explain you the theory and tips and techniques is something that you all know. But unless and until we solve it, it's not something that you're going to understand. So I'm going to make you solve these. I'm going to make you solve an entire section. So this is for those who are appearing for your general training. This is somewhere like your third uh, component. Okay. For any queries relating to uh, when I'm taking the webinar, if you have any, any queries, I would like you to post it in the question answer box. I might, uh, you know, take it. I, I will take it at the end of the session. If you have any queries relating to anything relating to ILTS, like, even uh, throughout the webinar or anything relating to the reading component, anything related to overall queries about the artist, please post it in the question answer box. I will take care of it at the end of the session. Uh, if you have any other queries apart from, uh, you know, non-ILTS thing, uh, anything else uh, you would want to know, please put it in the question answer box. But yes, anything that you want me to personally answer about ILTS, please, please go for it in the question answer box. Okay, I'm going to take you through a PPT now. We're going to start with our match the headings session. I hope I'm audible to everybody. And let's do this. All right, how many of you have practiced the reading component and what's like, I realized per se that the only session, the only query that most of you all have is with two question types. And these two question types are nothing but match the headings and true false not given. So we're going to do this and especially I have had a webinar on true false not given also. So in case you've missed out on it, you can go to our IELTS tutorial sites and check out the new webinar. Also, you can check out the link of the webinar on YouTube. It's there on our official channel. Uh, please post a like or any comment that you really want in there. Um, so generally, I am uh, I always go for offline classes and online classes both. But uh, this is something that I'm going to do for you today. 
I mean, I, I've always been good with, I mean, I've taken a lot of webinars before as well, but then I always come up with some of the other technical issue. And today uh, there is one and I need to get a result. So I'll just begin with the presentation now without much ado, without wasting a lot of time. And uh, we'll just begin. Okay, now the first thing that we're going to study is how to solve. So see, most of the students, what they do is they actually read the whole paragraph. And once after reading the whole paragraph, then they, you know, glance at the headings and then they figure out. But this is one thing that I would want to tell you. One thing I would really want to tell you is don't glance at the headings first. The first thing, uh, don't, you know, read the paragraph first. What you really do is you actually go through the, just glance at the headings. Don't pay a lot of attention to it. Have a look, have a nice look at the headings and then go to the paragraph. Okay. Now, let's say I have five paragraphs and I have to give five headings to this. So what you really do is don't read the whole text. Okay. What you do is you read one paragraph at a time. Go for one paragraph. Let's say you've read the A paragraph and understand the A paragraph. Try to predict an heading. Okay. Try to get the gist of heading. Let's say the A paragraph is talking about the beginning of something. So naturally you know that, okay, it is the beginning of something. Once you know the beginning of something, you actually start uh, summarizing it. Then go back to the headings and then solve it. So what you're going to simply, what I simply mean by what I said right now was that do one heading at a time. Do one heading at a time. Do one paragraph at a time. Don't do everything all at once. It's not going to help. Okay. So again, I'm repeating what you're supposed to do. The first thing that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to glance at the headings. Just glance. Okay. Second thing you're supposed to do is uh, take a look at the paragraph. Read the paragraph. Try to get a summary of it. Once you get the summary of it, I really want you to, you know, understand this. I really want you to take a note of this. Predict the heading. Then go back to the list of headings and pick one heading. Getting this? Okay. Okay. Now, these are few strategies that you have to understand. Do one paragraph at a time. This is what I've told you. Okay. Now, the second one is quite, quite, quite useful. Match the ideas to the ideas and not words to the words. What I mean by this is many a times we get carried away by words. Let's say the word is combined. Okay. And the entire heading and entire paragraph I'm finding and trying to match word to word. But what if the word is linked? For the heading, the word is linked. So if the word is linked and in the paragraph it's combined. So if I try finding only a specific word, I'm not going to find it ever. What I really have to work upon is finding ideas to ideas, matching ideas to ideas. I can't match words to words because naturally there will be a technique called paraphrasing. In all my webinars, I have emphasized and I will keep emphasizing on this particular technique. This technique is called the technique of paraphrasing. What paraphrasing usually means is trying to, you know, rephrase the thing. The structure of the sentence is changed and the synonyms are used. So always for the headings, this particular technique, this particular strategy will be used and you have to be very, very careful with it. Okay. Now, uh, how generally this is the best thing. The third strategy is a very, very important one. Please read the first sentence and the last sentence of the paragraph. Okay. 
please read the first sentence and the last sentence of the paragraph. What I mean by this is, out of your paragraph, 80% is going to be distraction. That's why I'm going to teach you something today. I came, I introduced myself, and I introduced the topic. I'm not going to introduce the topic to you towards the, you know, in between or something. I'm not going to create a nice big background and then, you know, put something in between. So it's a natural logic. It's a natural phenomenon that the first sentence is going to be, you know, the heading. The first sentence or the last sentence would be summarizing the paragraph. So basically, when you, how, how do you pick a title? You pick a title when you summarize the paragraph, right? So first thing I really want you to do is I really want you to summarize the paragraph, go through the paragraph. Okay. Now, uh, moving ahead. Solve this question type first. Now, a lot of students have this weird habit. I don't know how does this come from and where did this come from. They just pick up and they're like, we do this at the end because you're so scared because you feel that, okay, this is not something that you do. Now, see, understand one thing. When you're going through the headings, when you're solving this particular question type, what really happens is you're technically solving it. So you're technically reading the whole paragraph. And when you read the whole paragraph, what you do is you're actually the remaining questions, it becomes very easy to solve them, right? So when you're actually reading the whole paragraph, you know that it's easier to solve them. So you won't have a problem with it. Okay, now moving ahead. If there are two to three headings that are similar, write them besides the paragraph and try to find the difference between two headings. This simply means that whenever there are two close answers, you always pick the one that gives a broader perspective. Now write down for the headings, you always go for broader perspective with true false MCQs, with uh, true false not given and MCQs, you go for the narrow point specific answer. Again, I'm repeating the, uh, this rule. For the headings, you always go for the broader answer, the heading that covers all of it, not just which points out to one specific thing. Uh, but for true false not given and for MCQs, you pick up something that is extremely point specific. Okay. Now I'm going to go ahead. We actually start solving the paragraph together. Keep a pen and paper in hand because I will ask you to solve it. I'll solve the first one for you. Okay, now, first thing first, what was the first step in my strategy? The first step was we glanced through the headings. We have nine headings and we're going to glance through all of them, right? Okay, now see, the first heading says, the search for reasons for an increase in population. Okay, underline the word search. Underline the word reasons. Underline population. Okay, search, reasons, population. So basically, I will have to find out, and for giving a heading to this paragraph, I'm going to find out in which paragraph is the search for an increase in population given. Okay, second paragraph. Industrialization and the fear of unemployment. I have two keywords here. The first keyword is industrialization. The second keyword is Employment, unemployment. Okay. Uh, the development of cities in Japan for the time and place of industrial revolution. Okay. Underline Japan. Underline industrial revolution. Time and place. Underline Japan. Japan is your keyword here because it's a proper noun. Underline time and place of industrial revolution. Okay. The fourth one is again time and place of industrial revolution. So again, three, three and four are closed. So let's say we'll go for the keyword Japan, right? The cases of Holland, France, and China, Holland, France, and China mentioned in any paragraph, right? Changes in the drinking habits in Britain, drinking habits, changes is your keyword. Two keys to Britain's industrial revolution, 
underline the word two keys. That means in any of the paragraph, wherever two factors or two causes are given, that's going to be my answer. Conditions required for industrialization. Conditions in the sense, any, uh, you know, prerequisites. So conditions is going to be answered. What are the prerequisites of an industrial revolution? How did an industrial revolution actually take place? And the next is comparisons with Japan to lead an answer. Underline the word comparisons to Japan. So what I made you do right now is I made you understand each and every heading. After understanding each and every heading, meanwhile, you simultaneously underline the keywords. This is exactly what you're supposed to do because when you underline the keywords, it's portable in the thing. Okay, now I'm going to read a paragraph to you and I'm going to figure out whether what heading is this. Okay, we're doing this passage. First of all, let me give you a brief of this passage. This passage is from Cambridge 3, uh, Cambridge 10, and uh, this passage is called T and the Industrial Revolution. T and Industrial Revolution is a paragraph that has paragraphs A to G, and this is a very good test for solving headings. Also, the level of this exam is something that is going to be there in your exams. So when you're solving the reading uh, component, if you solve something like this, if you're able to solve this, you'll be able to go through exams really, really well. So uh, be careful with this. All right, let's go ahead. Okay, Alan McFarlane, a professor of anthropological science at King College, Cambridge, has, unlike other historians, spent decades wrestling with the enigma of industrial revolution. Why did this particular big bang world changing birth of industry happen in Britain? And why did it strike at the end of 18th century? Okay, do you get this? Do you actually understand this? That there is this particular line that says that there is a professor who has spent decades wrestling the enigma of industrial revolution. Wrestling means, uh, basically the meaning of wrestling the enigma is wrestling is figuring out. Wrestling is actually fighting, but here it can be used in terms of figuring out. Okay, one very important tip in reading is don't take the words as it is. They may be used with a different way. As you know, in English, we do tamper with the words. We do play around with the words. So this is a classic example of it. Enigma is mystery. So basically, they're trying to figure out how did the Industrial Revolution take place? Huh? So why did this big bang, world-changing birth of industry, happen in Britain? So here, can I say that they're trying to figure out why this happened in a particular place? And why did it strike at the end of the 18th century? So am I, can I say that it, they're trying to figure out why did it happen at a particular time? So I had this one heading that said something similar to this. And I think that was time and place of industrial revolution. Can I say the fourth heading is something that means this? Okay, now I had the third heading, which was a close answer. The development of cities in Japan for the time and place of industrial revolution but here it's not relating to japan it's relating to britain i can't see japan anywhere so i have avoided this okay uh, can you now see in here i mean i hope everybody is able to see and hear this right okay moving ahead okay now your this paragraph was a slightly shorter one right this paragraph is quite short, so you know it was easier to figure out. And I could read the whole thing quite easily and you know, figure out the heading be accurately. So see, when in reading, I believe reading component is always and always two things, what I feel is very, very important. I feel that it is the speed 
and accuracy. If you have these two things, you're obviously going to score more. I mean, that's very obvious, I think. Uh, how do you get the speed? The speed of reading can be achieved with a technique called a skimming. Now, skimming, the word is very easier said uh, than done. But skimming is something that comes with a lot of practice. What is skimming ideally? I'll tell you. Skimming is ideally when you read something, just glance through something, try to figure out. You don't go in depth, but still you're not understanding each and every word. You're not understanding each and every line, but still you're able to get the basic idea. So that's called skimming. Okay. Now, second is accuracy. Obviously, when you tend to be accurate, uh, you're going to get this. Accuracy comes with a lot of practice, with practicing the tapes, practicing the strategies, keep on practicing. Accuracy, I believe there is a lot of logical analytical skills also employ, employed for accuracy. I think you may get it. This. Okay. Uh, let's read this. Okay. Now, when we have a big paragraph, what I feel is, if you read the first bit and the last bit, you'll be able to get this. What is there? See, it is only 20% of your paragraph that's going to make sense. It's only 20% of the paragraph that is your actual answer that's going to be helpful. The 80% is distraction. The 80% is always there to distract the students. And 80% is there to waste your time. So neither do we have to get distracted nor we need to waste our time. So let's try solving all these headings like there are up to G. Let's try solving all these headings by reading the first two lines and last two lines and try figuring out whether we can. Also, let's try to employ the technique of skimming and see that whether we're able to do this or no. Okay. Maxwell Lenn compares the puzzle to a combination lock. There are about 20 factors and all of them need to be present before the industrial revolution can happen. So basically he says that uh, there are some around or 20 factors and that need to be there for the industrial re revolution to happen. Okay. Most historians are convinced that there are one or two missing factors that you need to open the lock. So basically, how can industrial revolution happen? They can happen with the help of 20 factors. Then there is a lot of disturbance that actually I can see some examples of these factors. I can also see country. I think I can see Japan. I can see Netherlands. I can see France. I can see Holland also. So, okay, I have I can see I have two close answers here now. Now let's read this again. I think that there is one thing conditions required for industrialization because I feel 20 factors and conditions are exactly paraphrasing. Also, there is one thing Holland, France and China and I see all three of them. So I have two close answers. Okay. I have the cases of Holland, France and China and I have conditions required for industrialization. I have figured this out only with the help of skimming, only with the help of by using the keywords. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to try read them. I'm going to try read this and try to skim this. Okay. For industry to take off, there needs to be technology, power to drive factories, large urban populations to provide cheap labor, easy transport. Okay. So basically there is a lot of factors given. Okay. Now let's come to while this was the case for England, other nations such as Japan, Netherlands, France also made some of these criteria, but were not industrializing. That means they're saying that, okay, England had these, but other nations also had these. All these factors must have been necessary, but not sufficient enough to cause a revolution. 
after all holland had everything else except for coal china had also many of these factors so basically they're just giving examples which country had what okay now was there one rule that i explained you when starting to solve this particular question type whenever you have two close headings whenever you have two close answers like i have one close answer that is the you know cases conditions required for industrialization and cases of holland france and china is my whole paragraph talking about holland france and china had i to name this had i to begin this paragraph what is ultimately what is the ultimate summary of this paragraph is how factors are needed and which factors are needed so can i say factors requiring industrial revolution and conditions required for industrial revolution are meaning the same thing are related words are paraphrased so can my answer be the eighth one yes do we get this i hope everybody is following what i'm trying to do i'm trying to you know go a little bit slow as well and i hope the pace of the webinar is quite fine okay let's go to the c paragraph again what i have is you know a big paragraph so again i'm going to try figure this out with the help of first two lines and last two lines okay the missing factors he proposes are to be found in every kitchen cupboard tea and beer two of the nation's favorite drinks fuel the revolution antiseptic properties of tannin active ingredient of the tea and hops of beer plus the fact both are made with boiled water allow the urban communities to flourish at quote close quarters without succumbing to the waterborne diseases so basically can i say that uh, the first line says that there are tea and beer two of the nation's favorite drinks that fuel the revolution so can i say two keys to britain's industrial revolution because that is exactly the paraphrasing and i got it with the help of first two lines and last two lines okay now let's say that this is slightly a vague answer because you know we have tea and beer and uh, we we can't really figure out how to do this so what i'm going to do is what i'm really going to do is i'm going to try the process of elimination okay when you don't get anything you always go with the process of elimination so far, so far we've learned two things one thing is that we always go for the broader answer second thing we always uh, you know read the first two lines last two lines and try figuring out third thing we go for paraphrasing fourth thing we go for the process of elimination now what is the process of elimination and how can the process of elimination work now see i realize this one thing that they talking about tea and beer and because of tea and beer people are not succumbing to dysentery and uh, there's this last line that says that uh, macfarlane's case has been strengthened by support from noble notable quarters roy potter the distinguished medical historian recently wrote a favorable appraisal so basically he did some research that there are two things that actually are very important tea and beer because of it people did not succumb to waterborne diseases and this has been supported this is the ultimate gist of my paragraph okay now let's read question on uh, you know headings 1 to 9 and let's see that anything else works so i've striked out the eighth one i've striked the fourth one holland and china naturally not there so i'm i'm striking out the fifth one okay the search for reasons for an increase in population i don't think population is mentioned anywhere so i'm going to strike this out also i have keywords like industrialization and unemployment again this is not there okay the third is japan again japan is not there so let's strike out so that's why i was making you underline the keywords because when we have keywords it's easy like in the entire paragraph i can't see japan anywhere so naturally i'm going to strike it off 
fourth and fifth are gone. Okay, I have changes in the drinking habits of Britain. Okay, maybe two keys to Britain's uh, uh, two keys to Britain's industrial revolution. Conditions required for industrialization that strike out. Comparison with Japan again, there's no Japan here, so I strike that out. Right. So I have two things: changes in the drinking habits, two keys to the British industrial revolution. Obviously, there's no change here. They like they started it. They started drinking tea and beer, and because of it, this happened. So my answer is going to be the seventh one. Is this clear? So this time, when I was not very sure of what heading to put, when I was not really you know aware of what i'm supposed to give i use the process of elimination process of elimination was made simple because earlier headings were done i was done with already two headings plus i striked out at least two to three headings with the help of the keyword technique like for example at least with the proper noun i striked out the third one i striked out the fifth one i striked out the last one because there's no japan and no countries there so i just randomly gave them away so naturally i had only a few things to pick up from right okay now let's go for this let's go for this paragraph the d paragraph is any which way is a long one let's try to read this again let's try to you know understand this macfillin had wondered for a long time how the industrial revolution came about that means how it started historians alighted on one interesting factor around the mid 18th century and required explanation so they came across something between 1650 to 1740 the population in britain was static but then there was a burst in population growth okay now my keyword population or i got this thing okay infant mortality rate halved in the space of 20 years and this happened both in rural areas and cities across the classes people suggested for plausible clauses what this sudden change in the virus and bacteria so basically they are actually trying to find out something that why is there like for example if i see the last one is so the food must have got worse efforts to explain this sudden reduction in child deaths appeared to draw a blank now basically everything is revolving around population here and i see it's britain so again i cancel Uh, I cancel Japan. I cancel Holland, France, and China. I cancel the things that have been done. There is no industrialization here. Rather, I can see that there is something relating to population here. So that's why the answer for this is search for the reasons for an increase in population. If you go to see the entire paragraph revolves around population and how it increases and why there are low child deaths. People are saying something. there are rhetorical questions made there are assumptions made so that's how i got to know this okay so let's move on to the next paragraph okay now your let's read the first two lines right let's read the last two lines the population burst seemed to happen at the right time to provide labor for the industrial revolution when you start moving towards industrial revolution it is economically efficient um to have people living close together so basically this says that it's good for uh, you know the population increase was good but however these two lines are not sufficing since now i'm already by the time i reached the fifth paragraph i've glanced and gone through the headings a couple of times right so i basically know that this line is not sufficing my headings because this line is saying that when the population increases it's good for the industrial revolution which is not mentioned rather i think there's one negative thing for it 
and uh, I don't see anything. So, okay, let's go ahead. Let's read this now entirely. Okay, but then you get a disease from in the human race. Some digging around historical records revealed that there was a change of the incidence of waterborne diseases at that time, especially dysentery. MacFinlan deduced that whatever the British were drinking must have been important in regulating the disease. That means they got a particular disease, they succumbed to a particular disease. He says, we drank beer for a long time. The, the English were protected by strong anterior bacterial agent in the hops, which were added to help to preserve the beer. But in the late 17th century, a tax was introduced on malt, the basic ingredient of beer. The poor turned to water and gin in the 1720 and the mortality rate began to rise again. Then it suddenly dropped again. So what caused this? So basically, in the end, they're saying, if you go to see the first paragraph is saying that something positive about the Industrial Revolution. The middle bit is, I can say, it is a distraction, which says that there was increase in decency. The last bit, I can say, is saying that a tax was introduced on malt. And that's why the poor changed to water and gin. And again, something happened. So can I say changes in the drinking habits in Britain is the only possible close answer I get. Also, had I even not read the whole paragraph, had I read the first lines matched and the last lines matched, I would have been able to figure this out. But because I was not sure and I wanted to focus a little bit on accuracy, I decided to read the whole thing and get it. Now see, the students who come to me and they're like, uh, we don't want to read the whole paragraph. We just want to read the first two lines and last two lines and we're able to scrape through this. I am more than happy. Honestly, um, there are students who are like, they just want to read each and every line, understand it, and then go to the headings. These are the students whose reading speed is very high. Generally, this technique, if you really want to follow, if you really want to go through each and every line, you really want to interpret each and every line, understand each and every line, and then choose a specific heading, I would say your reading speed has to be really, really good. They say they get accuracy with that. See, now, whatever the case may be, I am happy. Always at the end, you know, I have kids running around to me and they're like, give me a strategy, give me something, give me a tip, give me a technique. I just say one thing. There are the tips and strategies which are unlimited. We have skimming, we have scanning, we have sequence, we have keywords, we have paraphrasing. We have elimination. We have a lot of strategies. There's just one uh, strategy that works the best for your exam. I'll just tell you this. Choose your own winning strategy. B, pick up. You know, that's why, you know, I always keep on emphasizing students that please practice. Please do at least, you know, five to seven tests before you really go for your exam. You know why? Because at that point of time, you're able to make out what strategy you want to choose. Because unless and until you don't practice, you're not going to figure out what is the thing that you're comfortable in. For example, I might be able to read the whole paragraph, then go to the questions, then solve it in full speed because maybe my script reading speed is quite high. There are some people who just lose focus. They don't want to read the whole paragraph, but the logical analytical skills are so, so good that, you know, they just read the first two lines, last two lines, and they just glance and they get it. Maybe you're not one of them. Maybe there's some people whose spotting skills are really good. You know, they pick up a keyword, they locate the word, then they find out. There are some people who have actually practiced so much that they exactly know then when the answer is going to be. So always, always, always pick your own winning strategy. Right. Uh, we go to the next one. The last one. Uh, no, there are three more. Sorry. 
Oh, okay. You want to try doing this? I'll just give you two minutes. Try reading the first two lines. Try reading the last two lines and make you solve this. But I want to give you some time to try this and try uh, checking out which is the answer. We'll do the last three paragraphs together, but I want you to try the last three paragraphs. No, last two paragraphs. So we just done. Okay. Okay. McFinnan looked to Japan, which was also developing large cities at the same time. Also had no sanitation. Waterborne diseases had much looser grip on the Japanese population than those in Britain. Could it be the prevalence of tea in their culture? So basically, I have Japan here. I have three, I have two uh, headings that have the word Japan. Development of cities in Japan for the time and place of industrial revolution. Can you see China? Can you see, I mean, I don't think I have development of cities. There is this last heading that says comparisons with Japan that leading to the answer. So basically, when MacFarlane looked into Japan, he figured out a few things. So right now, what he's trying to do is trying to compare it with Japan. So can I say the last heading is my correct answer? Yes. How many of you, I hope, you know, most of you were able to get this. Okay, let's do the G1. I'll give you again some time. I'll give you a few minutes for this. I want you to, I want to read this paragraph out to you. But if tea is a factor in the combination lock, why didn't Japan forge ahead in tea-soaked industrial revolution of its own? MacFarlane knows that even in the 17th century, Japan had large cities, high literacy rates, even futures market. It had turned it back on any essence of any work-based revolution, giving up labor-saving devices such as animals, afraid that they would put people out of work. So the nation that we now think is one of the most technology advanced entered the 19th century having abandoned the wheel now what does this mean okay for this your process of elimination is working at the same time a little see let's say you have seven paragraphs out of which there are four paragraphs i'm going to get reading the first two lines last two lines just skimming scanning but yes there will be two to three paragraphs that would be slightly tricky that you will have to put in a little more effort to understand and gauge this. Now, they say that, okay, Japan also had tea, but why didn't it get into its industrial revolution? Then, he says that 17th century Japan also had a lot of things. Then why did it not, you know, why did it turn its back? Why did it not accept any work-based revolution by giving up labor-saving devices because they were afraid that they would put people out to work and what afraid that people they would put people out to work is the paraphrasing of the second heading do you see this the industrialization and the fear of unemployment so japan basically did not take up industrialization because they were afraid that they would not have work for people. Right. Do you get this? So we've solved around seven headings and I hope you by this time you actually get this. Okay, I want you to do a few do's and don'ts. I want you to give a few tips of it. Firstly, be aware of synonyms. Now see, this is exactly the synonym. Fear of unemployment is afraid that they would put people to work. Then 
for example conditions or something relating to factors so please be very careful do these questions first i have told you before as well then i want you to take up these questions in the first place why do i want you to take up these questions let's say you've done seven of these and there are seven true false not given so at least i know where each one of them is located so naturally when i know the location of answers is going to be easier for me to spot these answers right so please don't do this at the end and again one more thing don't take too long to solve this it is actually you know not a very time consuming process if you try practicing if you've actually practiced quite hard you will not take more than you know uh, you know per heading should not take more than a minute rather i would say and plus just skim through it try you know uh, when you're practicing force yourself not to read the whole paragraph force yourself focus if your reading this applies if your reading speed is not fast so if your reading speed is not fast focus yourself try to direct yourself on just reading the first two lines and last two lines and getting the relevant answer because if you're not getting the relevant answer reading the first two lines and last two lines and you end up reading the whole paragraph despite your reading skill not being so uh, despite your reading skill uh, speed not being so quick you're going to lose out on a lot of time which i don't want you to ultimately right don't match words to words obviously because there are synonyms if you end up matching words to words if you just focus on the words you're never going to find your answer right answers do not come in order that is the basic logic your a heading cannot be the first one b heading cannot be the second one okay don't get confused always pick up a close answer close answer in the sense you know even partially relevant answer you got to pick up at the same time you really have to be careful that you always choose the broader answer when it comes to heading you don't choose the narrow answers you always go with the broader answers okay i would like to have a quick uh, question answer session with you guys before we end up this uh, ppt any doubts in the ppt do let me know any doubts in the ppt do let me know so i'll just uh, do a quick revision of the techniques that we studied today right the first technique that we studied today is when you solve the headings you read the first two lines and you read the last two lines the second heading that uh, the second technique that we studied today is a sequence technique sequence technique is you have to you know understand the flow of the passage the third thing that we did was paraphrasing paraphrasing in the sense the synonyms of the words are going to be the same the structure is going to be the different so there are going to be synonym the words are going to be different and the structure is going to be different so that's something that i want you to understand the third thing that i really want you to understand is choose your own winning strategy it is very 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 important to pick up your own winning strategy or because ultimately that's what counts if you're comfortable reading the whole paragraph then going to the headings do that but if you want to read the whole paragraph you'll have to practice so hard that you'll be able to read the whole paragraph in 20 minutes because as you all know the time that is offered to you to read the whole paragraph is very very limited you cannot simply read the whole paragraph in your own leisure time and do it uh, that's why generally i personally avoid this technique also you know when you're reading the whole paragraph the paragraphs are really really boring they're not something luckily this paragraph was slightly interesting it was relating to tea and industrial revolution so we could figure something out but uh, you know most of the times the paragraphs are really boring so i um, generally don't read the whole paragraph i just read the keywords and this also when you're reading the headings when you're glancing through the headings try to gauge what the headings are trying to tell you right try to understand what each particular heading is trying to 
try to figure out what it means because ultimately if you figure out what it means it really works the best because that's what we did see now here you're going to get few things really correct because i explained the headings to you i showed you what the headings were and then we went to the paragraphs it was very easy but this is exactly what you're supposed to do in the exam for yourself you're supposed to understand what the heading is you're supposed to understand what it says then you're supposed to you know really glance at the paragraph again try to understand on your own what the paragraph means then match right so that process is slightly tedious that i feel so again that is something that requires a little bit of practice um in the last webinar i had explained to you guys few things about uh, when i was doing the receptive skills when i was trying to explain you there are few things that i told you back then also that please please work a little bit on your vocabulary see there are certain things that come only with vocab i know you don't have to understand the meaning of each and every word in reading you you can't do that it's not possible you can't have you know such a big lexis that there is everything and anything in the world that you're going to understand that's technically not possible i get it completely but yes at least you need to have a little bit basic vocabulary that you can really get through uh apart from that if any question in today's webinar or any review for this uh do you get i mean is there a query please put it, post it in the question answer box i will be able to help you okay one thing that you really have to ensure is throughout the reading exam you don't take too long for anything so this is a very very important tip and i want you to keep this in mind reading there is no separate time to uh, you know transfer the answers it's just get transferred so you know what i do is take one paragraph solve the 14 questions seven questions in terms of the general training solve the 14 questions and transfer them don't give more than 20 minutes to one paragraph i'll tell you one basic reason of this when you give more than 20 minutes to one paragraph when you give more than you know a lot of time to one paragraph what really happens is let's i'm finding the last three questions i will end up spending 10 minutes to find up the last three questions whereas my next paragraph i would have figured out really seven eight next questions so please don't do that and generally what happens is when you reach section 3 you so tired you so done that you don't want to do it ultimately is called less however section 3 would might be you know if there is a possibility section 3 is might easy or you know it's might short so um please pay close attention to all the three sections how do you do all the three sections take 20 minutes transfer the answers even if you don't find the last three answers leave it unless and until you very sure that okay they're spotable then okay uh, but generally they're not if you're not finding it naturally you're going to stress and you know spend a lot of lot of times uh, spending it so, you know take it approach it in a little bit psychological way that okay you're not finding it quit you know don't just you know be greedy for the remaining two answers rather i would say work towards you know the remaining seven answers you can find in next 10 minutes so i would rather go for that i mean practically pragmatically talking rationally that really works the best right okay there is one more thing that i really advise my students to do again it works the best what what i generally come across as reading passages which are immensely boring they are you know so boring that you tend to lose focus focus is very important coming to ilts exams because obviously um, you know you're done with the listening you've paid attention to it and then you go to the reading bit and you're all tired you know you don't want to sometimes at the end of second passage you're so done you don't want to do it so you know keeping the focus is very important how do you practice this i'll tell you one very simple way pick up a subject that you don't like like for example when i was practicing my reading 
I picked up mechanical engineering. I hated mechanics. I hate. I couldn't understand a word out of it. So I used to read one paragraph at a time. Try focusing. Try staying awake. I used to read it. There were questions at the end. I used to solve it. And that time, I realized one thing that naturally I'm not going to understand all of it because I don't have the knowledge of it. At the same time, I had to employ all the skills that I had, included paraphrasing, included skimming, included scanning, included the keywords, including the sequence, and then and then I could figure out the answer. Had I not done that, I would have not, uh, you know, figured out the answers. So always pick up a text that you hate. So if you're an engineer, pick up. Something related to literature, if you're into language, pick up something related to science and then solve it. Because ultimately then you'll have a habit of not understanding things and still getting the right answer. And that's what we're all supposed to do. You know, uh, you're not given marks for understanding the paragraph. You're not literally giving, uh, given the marks for any knowledge inherent you possess. But you're giving knowledge, you know, you're giving marks for just one thing. That is your accuracy and accuracy in terms of locating the answers. Basically, what is a reading comprehension that you're able to look at the text and you're able to find the answers out of the text. You don't have to possess any inherent knowledge for it, right? Also, a lot of students get carried away when they really, uh, you know, see passages relating to their own field. They're so carried away. They're like, they just want to solve them without uh, going through it. So, you know, what they ultimately do is they ultimately figure out something or the other, you know, they keep writing it on their own. Don't do that. Please don't use your own perceptions while doing the reading component. It's not right. You will get wrong answers. There may be trick questions. So please, please avoid them. What I really want you to do is I really want don't keep your mind aside. The only job that you have in your reading component is locating the answers. Please do the job properly. Okay. Uh, again, practice uh, vocabulary a little bit. Practice reading vocab a little bit. I give one tip to my student every webinar i give this thing i have given this in the previous webinar also what i do for this reading is how i make them increase their speed of reading is i give them one text again something that they don't know about if a person is studying language i give them mechanical engineering if it's studying engineering i give them anything else relating to something or the other and what i do is I tell them that you have to target reading one page in five minutes. Let's say they're able to do it. I'll make them do the same thing for the second time. Target, I make them read it for seven, uh, you know five minutes. Next day, I ask them to read one and a half page in five minutes. Next day, I again make them read one and a half page in five minutes. Next day, in six minutes, I make them read two pages. That way, I'm decreasing the time and I'm increasing the speed. This technique will ultimately help in increasing the speed of your reading. When you're increasing the speed of your reading, all you need is practice. You know, you need to be able to go through the script of it really well. So that's why it's very, very important. Okay. Now, one more thing that is very important in reading, as I always say, is logical analysis. That comes with a little bit of, again, you know, you know the tips, you know, the strategies to crack an exam. And that's when you're going to be able to do this. And um, I think I'm done with the webinar. So I think, do you have any other queries? Do you have any other questions that you really want to answer? You really want to have any other doubts in any other components? Any comments on the webinar? Just post it in the questions box. I'll be happy to solve them.
No? Okay, great. I'm happy to know that I was very clear in my session and everybody got a clear idea of what it was. And a very um, wishing you a very, very happy December. Let's welcome the New Year's with an amazing score. Let's keep practicing. Don't uh, really procrastinate things. Don't really, uh, you know, believe in starting practicing from New Year's. Practice it now. I'm very sure by the end of the next year, you all will be at places you want to be. And you all clear the exam with flying colors. I'm wishing you all, uh, I mean, I will see you in a webinar next Saturday as well. But uh, meanwhile, wishing you all a very happy month of December, happy winters. Keep practicing and all the best for your exams, guys. And have a very great weekend ahead. Oh, also, I'm very sorry for the technical disturbance that was caused in between this session and it would be avoided from the next time. Thank you so much. Thank you.